Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight, Polygamy, <clears throat> What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen. And again, with our uh, co-host, our guest co-host tonight, uh, Earl Erskine, we hope to bring you a show that will help you understand a little bit more about early Mormonism and polygamy. But first, we do have an announcement to make. Uh, tomorrow night is the Spring Vision Banquet for AM820 Radio. And it's hosted by Mill Creek Baptist Church. The address is 1515 East, 4500 South in Holiday. The doors will be open at 5.30 and dinners will be, dinner will be served from 6 to 7 p.m. You can t- purchase tickets online at upfc.org or you can call Russ East at 801-645-7433. Bill McKeever will be our guest speaker. He's the founder and director of Mormon Research Ministry. He's been our guest several times on the show before. He's very knowledgeable about our culture, and he does speak the truth in love. So that's the Spring Vision Banquet for our local uh, uh, Christian radio station, and we do urge you to... Um, to Uh, support this ministry. It's very important for our culture to have someone speaking uh, the other side of the issue and hear their voice. Also, um, the Utah County Support Group for questioning Mormons or questioning polygamists, anybody who's questioning their their faith and would like to transition into a relationship rather than a religion, they're meeting next Tuesday, May 21st at 6 p.m. They're meeting at First Baptist Church in Provo. That's 1144 West Columbia Lane. For more information, the the phone number is 801-374-8489 or you can email way61 at hotmail.com. And the topic this month will be the DVD uh, entitled Walter Martin's ba- Baptism of Boldness. Again, this is for those who are seeking um, transition out of the Mormon belief system and who are migrating from religion to relationship. And also interested Christians certainly are welcome to come as well. And like I said earlier tonight, our guest host, uh, Earl Erskine, is with us again. He's going to be part of the discussion that we have tonight. And uh, welcome back again. Thanks, Doris. Earl, it's nice to have you. (laughs) And you had, uh, before we get started on our topic, we each have a question that one of our viewers asked us, and we weren't able to get on the show last week. So what was the one you did? The one I had was an off-air question. It was about whether a Mormon should... um, be sworn into an office if they hold public office should that be allowed and it's kind of an interesting question only in the sense that I'm not sure whether they meant it because it was Mormon and they would have allegiance to the church or whether the swearing in was because they didn't really trust the Bible so I'm not quite sure how to answer it I know I swore my or swore myself <laughs> I was sworn in into the military when mm-hmm. I was in the military and I would think that it would be appropriate for a Mormon well, the Mormons to, are in uh, office all the time throughout yeah. the country, especially in Utah, sure and they have to in swear in, and, and, sure. and the policemen. And, uh, so I that. don't see any reason they couldn't, and I, I do feel that there'd be a loyalty to the 
to the government or the position. We'd hope so, huh? Yeah. We would sure hope so. Okay, I had a, a caller who called in. We weren't able to get the answer on the air last week. And the caller asked who was the first couple that was sealed in the Mormon church in the early days, the very first couple. Well, I didn't have the answer at the top of my head, so I contacted Sandra Tanner, who's our walking encyclopedia of Mormon history, and she, of course, had the answer. The first well-attested sealing in celestial marriage, which in those days was plural marriage, was between Joseph Smith and Louisa Beeman. This happened on the banks of the river in Nauvoo, April 5th, 1841, and Louisa, believe this or not, was dressed as a man to keep the highly secret plural marriage a secret. Now, some folks maintain that the first sealing was actually Joseph Smith's married to Fanny Alger in Kirtland, but there's no reliable records to rightly call his relationship with Fanny an actual celestial marriage. Joseph Smith had not yet come up with a temple endowment ceremony, um, and he was, this might shock some of you, he was sealed to approximately two dozen other women before he was sealed to Emma on May 28th of 1843. There's an excellent book called Nauvoo Polygamy written by George D. Smith. And if you pick up that book and turn to page 621 and 22, you'll find a list of Joseph Smith's wives when they were sealed. And I believe there's somewhere between 24 or 25 women who were sealed to him before Emma was. So I hope this answers our caller's question. You know, both polygamists and Mormons hold the Book of Mormon up as their sacred scripture. And despite the fact that it contradicts the Bible and contradicts other writings of Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon is not another testimony of Jesus, but is the testimony of another Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus who implemented Mormonism or polygamy. It's a totally different person and a totally different with a diff totally different ideas and a totally different origin. Even Gordon Hinckley acknowledged that the Jesus they worship is not the traditional Jesus of Christianity. Now, of course, any other Jesus is a false Jesus. Joseph Smith claimed that the Book of Mormon is the most correct of any book on earth and is the keystone of the Mormon religion. He said that a man could get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. If this is true, then why have there been thousands of changes in the most correct book? Earl, you have a quote from David Whitten, Whitmer about how the Book of Mormon was Yeah, one translated. of the things that we've always understood is that the Book of Mormon was translated by the power of God, word for word. And here's what David Whitmer had to say in his letter to all believers. And this has been corroborated by Emma Smith, I think, and even her father. It says, I will now give you a description on the manner in which the Book of Mormon was translated. Joseph Smith would put the seer stone into a hat drawing it closely around his face to exclude the light, and in the darkness the spiritual light would shine. A piece of something resembling parchment would appear, and on that appeared the writing. One character at a time would appear, and under it was the interpretation in English. Um, Brother Joseph would read off the English to Oliver Cowdery, who was his principal scribe, and when it was written down and repeated to Brother Joseph to see if it was correct, then it would disappear, and another character with the interpretation would appear. Thus the Book of Mormon was translated by the gift and power of God, and not by any power of man. 
So this was by uh, David Whitmer. Yes. Yeah, he was one of the three witnesses. Explaining the process that the Book of Mormon was translated. And I think in, in the sense that he's, he's actually saying that it was done by the power of God, and yet the plates aren't anywhere to be so found why would he in need this the process. He wouldn't, right. he wouldn't even need the plates. Right. You know, very few believers in the Book of Mormon know that the Book of Mormon was actually composed this way, his face in a hat, or that it actually has had 4,000 changes, and that those changes are not merely just uh, additions of chapters and verses and punctuation, but there have been doctrinal and historical and grammar changes uh, as well in, from the original Book of Mormon. Someone said that there are so many gra grammatical errors in the first edition of the Book of Mormon that scholars uh, have been embarrassed to blame such poor grammar on God. We're going to discuss some of those changes tonight, changes that are of immense importance and some of the changes that contradict what the original said and also contradicts other writings of Joseph Smith. And this is especially important to polygamists because if Joseph Smith's original Book of Mormon can't be trusted, how can he be trusted to be truthful about polygamy? So, Earl, you have the first one. I think it's on the, the, uh, the page. Right. The... the uh the Book of Mormon, this is a copy of the original 1830, and in it, it's, it says that uh, Joseph Smith claimed to be the author. Uh, it was both on the title page and the preface. The title page now says that he was the translator, and there is no preface particularly in the, in the Book of Mormon now. But the first one says that he's the author. Right, And he there's was a the difference author. between being an author yeah. and now, the translator. As I was LDS, I was always given the explanation. I have to be honest, I'm not sure, I've never checked this law out, but I was always told that the New York state law required someone to accept responsibility as an author for any publication. Mm -hmm. But if that was true, then it should have remained author, and now yeah, it should have remained author. And he's got author and proprietor on there right. too. Right, author and proprietor. Okay, so, well, the the scripture I have is First Nephi eleven eighteen, and we're going to to see what the difference is there. It said in the original edition, "Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of God," but now the Book of Mormon says that he is the mother of the Son of God. Yep. That's and a huge difference. That's a doctrinal <laughs> change. Well, these two or three that you're going to come up now and, and uh, are the ones that really got me started in my process. Anyone that's heard me tell my story of coming to grips with uh, Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and that it being a, a false uh, religion knows that these are the scriptures that really got me thinking mm -hmm. that, that there looking. must be something different. If this was done word for word by the power of God, these significant changes shouldn't have occurred. Right. The next one is in First <clears throat> Nephi 11:21. It says, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Eternal Father. It now says that it, even the Son of the Eternal Father. So they've changed again who Jesus is right. and who He is right. from God to the Son of God. And then in 1 Nephi 11.32, just a few verses later, it said in 18.30, And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yea, the everlasting God was judged of the world. But now it says, Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. So Jesus has been morphed from, from the one and only God to being the, the literal Son of God. There's a big difference. There is. And, and I know this is shocking and probably disturbing 
maybe even whatever to, to LDS listeners. And I know that there's a lot of those that listen to you. But this, this concept of, that Joseph Smith had about Jesus being the eternal father uh, persists in his lectures of faith, in the translation that he did with Luke 10, 22, and his different first vision accounts were all over the map relating mm -hmm. to God. He only saw one person in the beginning. Mm -hmm. The next one is in 1 Nephi 13, 40, and it says, And shall make known to all kindreds, tongue, and people that the Lamb of God is the Eternal Father and the Savior of the world. Very clear. Mm -hmm. Now it says that the Lamb of God is the Son of the Eternal Father. Now, if this was just an error, just one error, Maybe maybe we could give one error for the most perfect book on yeah, the planet. Yeah, we've just maybe. done three or four of them there. <laughs> and they all change in the, in the same way. Mm -hmm. So they're taking the Godhood of Jesus and be, having him become the Son of God rather than the Eternal Father. And who God is, is very, who Jesus is, who God is, is extremely important. It's to, ultimately important. To all of us, every yes, one of us. Yes. And the next one is a little bit off. It's not the same uh, topic, but it's in Mosiah chapter 21, verse 28, where it's said in the, in the original, King Benjamin had a gift from God, and now the Book of Mormon reads, King Mosiah had a gift from God. So which was it, King Benjamin or King Mosiah? Well, and I, why the change, for heaven's sakes? I just <laughs> think it was a, there was a chronological problem because mm -hmm. Mosiah died after, I think, King Benjamin but did. But wouldn't so. Joseph have known that? Well, God would have. Well, he certainly would have. <laughs> I think. So <laughs> he should have known that. The next one's very subtle, but it again implies the same concept, I think, that really drew me out of the church was that Joseph Smith believed in this one God. And it says in Mormon 7-7, in the 1830 Book of Mormon, unto the Father and unto the Son and unto the Holy Ghost, which is one God. Mm -hmm. It's been changed now and it reads, unto the Father and unto the Son and unto the Holy Ghost, which are one God. And there's a big difference. People may not know the, that there's such yeah. a huge difference in that one little word, yeah. those two little words. Well, is to believe that God is all-powerful, He's always existed as God, mm -hmm. and Mormons, of course, believe the Son of God, Jesus, is just a, his, his uh, heavenly Son, a created along being. with Lucifer mm -hmm. as brothers, and we're yeah. brothers with Jesus as well. Right. Taking away, really, the divinity and the No, the polygamists believe the same thing. They, do, they believe they? exactly the same yeah. thing. They believe exactly all the Mormon scriptures. Sure, the Book of Mormon is, mm -hmm. yeah. They believe exactly the same thing. The next one is in Second Nephi. Chapter 30, verse 6, the original said, Their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a white and delightsome people. Now the same scripture reads, Their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a pure and delightsome people. And now, in case people want to think that, well, pure and white means the same thing, it doesn't. And it didn't mean the same thing when it was changed. And uh, to quote Brigham Young in Journal of Discourses 7, he said, quote, If they transgress his law, change his ordinances, and break his covenants, he will put a mark upon them. Of course, that's the dark skin, as in the case of the Lamanites and other portions of the house of Israel. But by and by, they will become a white and delightsome people. We find all through uh, Joseph Smith's writings such racism, 
racism no, in the Book I of Mormon, know. racism in in the Pearl of Great Price, yeah. and and Brigham Young's. It's all over the place. And and your righteousness was based on if you were righteous, then you became white. Yeah. And I th think that went through church history a lot in dealing with the Lamanites and even having them believe that if they came to a knowledge of God, or at least this mm -hmm. Mormon gospel, a polygamous group and everything else, that they would become white and delightsome. I actually went back to my missionary uh, Book of Mormon um, a, a year or two ago and actually looked at, and it still had then white and delightsome. Mm -hmm. So I'm so not sure mine. exactly when this Mine's, pure... I think it was 80 or 81 okay. or something like that where they made that change. And I, just to be politically correct, I'm sure, but you know, oh, yeah. if God gave it to us as white and delightsome, we should have probably stuck with that. It should have. I shouldn't have been that in the first place, of no, course. But yeah, you're been, right. And but, but the thing is, they can't change all their scriptures. No, it, and as much as, there's so many scriptures in the Book of Mormon. At least not all at once. <laughs> Subtly. Bingo. Um, well, and you know, we've got some scriptures from the Bible that we need to apply to some of these changes. And the first one is Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, or He will rebuke you and prove you are a liar. So, you know, when they've changed the words like this, there's proof there's something wrong. Somebody lied somewhere. Psalm chapter seven verse or chapter twelve verse six says, "And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times." And then Psalm eighteen thirty, as for God, His way is perfect; the word of the Lord is flawless. And since God's word is flawless, there were so many flaws in the Book of Mormon. We can know that the Book of Mormon is not the word of God. Yeah, it's just amazing and. It, it's significant. I, I don't think you can just dismiss it. Mm -mm. And, and the Joseph Smith translation, do, I don't suppose the polygamists actually use the Joseph Smith translation. Well, I, some they? of them do. We do didn't they? when I was growing up, but I do know that some of them do have it and they do use it. Well, I checked over 20, and I know that's not 100%, but I checked 20 different changes that Joseph Smith made to the uh, uh, Bible and went back and checked those against the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Old Testament. Yep. Not one, not one of his changes were supported by the Dead, by the Sea, Dead Scrolls, sea Scrolls. But the King James Version was supported by the Dead Sea Scrolls. Very interesting, so, isn't it? Yeah. Very interesting. You know, we have a few examples of how Mormon scriptures contradict Mormonism. Okay, Mormonism includes polygamists. Don't ever, don't ever miss that statement. But you need to remember this, that the polygamists and other viewers uh, who are watching were not just nitpicking against Joseph Smith, but we, we want you to take note that if you're trusting Joseph Smith to lead you into truth about polygamy and other doctrines, then you're trusting someone who couldn't make up his mind about what the truth is. And I think we've already demonstrated that. We're going to demonstrate some more now. We have some contradictions that we want to show, not only within Mormon scripture, but also as it relates to the Bible. Your first one is in the Articles of Faith. It's yeah, you, you did these. I just want to give you credit for these. These are really significant, and I really like what you did here. But the first one is from James E. Talmage's uh, uh, book, Articles of Faith, page 472. It says, Christ was born of Mary and an, and an immortal and resurrected and glorified Father, who is God. But Alma... Chapter 7, so here, and, and, and Bruce R. McConkie supports this as well. Mm -hmm. He says that, uh, that God came down with Mary, 
just as a mortal man would have a relationship with his wife, that's the way God had his relationship with Mary. Mm -hmm. And in Alma 7.10, it says, though, that Mary was overshadowed and conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is also what the Bible says, mm -hmm. for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost, and the Joseph Smith translation supports that by saying, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So how can he, not, how can he not be if, if he's overshadowed? Uh, <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> the, the church has changed. Uh, they've had to do that in order for Jesus to become the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Since they have this concept of, of three people, mm -hmm. so God had to come down and... Yeah. And have a relationship with Mary. And another one is from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 370, where Mormonism teaches that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are three different gods, which kind of is back to what Earl and I just talked about in the other scriptures. And so uh, they teach from the prophet Joseph Smith that there are three different gods, but Second Nephi 13.21 says that these three are one God. You can also read that in the introduction to the Book of Mormon as well as in Mosiah 15.1-5. through 5. But the Bible says there's only one God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are are, are each one of them is a is God, not a God, but is God. Um, Isaiah 45, 5 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. The Father is God and Jesus is God. Isaiah 9, 6 says, Unto us a child is born and he shall be called the mighty God. Well, that child, of course, is the prediction of Jesus Christ. You can also read in Titus 2, 13 and 14 that Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is also God. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 says, You have lied to the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, You have not lied to men, but to God. And also 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Joseph Smith translation has made no revisions to any of those verses, so they must stand as the Bible states them. By the way, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost and the Spirit <laughs> of the Lord are all the same person. Yes. They're just referred to in different ways. And certainly the original teachings were, 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 the, were that way. Mm -hmm. The one I have next is Mormonism teaches that God the Father has a tangible body of flesh and bones. And that's in Doctrine and Covenants 130, verse 22. But Alma, chapter 18, in the Book of Mormon, says God is a great spirit. And the Bible says in John 4, 24, God is spirit. And Luke 24, 39 says that for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. And the Joseph Smith translation supports Luke's uh, Luke 24:39. for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. The lectures of faith also, number five, says that God is a personage of spirit. Okay, so, so how, can he, how can he have flesh and bone if he's a spirit? And how can he have a tangible body of flesh and bones? And how did he see him in 1820? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, the next one is Mormonism teaches that there are many gods. Pearl of Great Price, Abraham uh, chapters 4 and 5. But in Alma 11, 26 through 31, Amulek claims that an angel told him there was only one God. The Book of Mormon 
teaches there's only one God. The Bible also teaches there's only one God. Uh, James 2.19 says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And the Joseph Smith translation repeats what James 2.19 says with no changes. Therefore, it must stand as it is in the Bible that we don't have to have Joseph Smith's translation to prove it, but to prove that he didn't change it that there are many gods, that there isn't. Question I have right here is, when they say there's only one God, we hear people saying, in purpose, oh, or of this yeah. world. I've never read that I've anywhere read except orally we say they're one in purpose. One but in it purpose. never says that in the scriptures. Or God of this world. God of this world, and, and that's Satan, right? That, that's right. We have a scripture here to show that. Uh, there, there, there's no saying anywhere in any Mormon writing or the Bible that says that they're one God in purpose. There's, and, no. and then, then there's gods I've in, in other places. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe. The God of this world is the devil, who controls billions of people on this planet and most of the governments, and he blinds the eyes of people so they cannot see the truth. And you can pray to God to heal your blinded eyes, by the way, to show you the truth, if you have the courage to ask for the truth. <laughs> Pretty simple when you really <laughs> think about it. but Very simple. I think when you're blind, you just don't see. Mm -hmm. You just don't put these two and two together and come up with a four. And that's the only way that people can be blinded into living polygamy, I believe very truly, because polygamy is such an ugly thing, and the women have to put themselves down so far, they don't think that they deserve to have a husband of their own. That's a blindness that the devil has done to them. And it's pathetic, it's so sad. Well, and, and polygamists don't trust the Bible any more than mainstream, mm -mm. right? No, just if they want to use it to quote something, but they don't tr trust it cover to cover, no. No. No, they okay. don't. Okay, yours is... Yeah, Mormonism teaches that men can become gods and that God was once a man. Uh, Mormon 9.9 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, an unchanging being. The Book of Mormon does not teach that God was once a man or that men can become gods. And in Malachi 3.6 in the Bible, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. And Joseph Smith, again, made no ch changes to that verse in Malachi. No changes in Malachi. So we so, so, see so many contradictions. Yeah, there are. In, and no wonder people are confused when they're trying to, to determine the truth. They get so confused. I don't think they really study this in this way. I, I, I think they take each thing as an individual concept and their little explanations that kind of do away with what they're worried about. And they don't connect the about, dots. Huh? And they don't connect it, no. I have a quote about the Book of Mormon that I would like to mention right here. Uh, it's from William A. Morton, and it says, and I quote, Do we want knowledge concerning God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? We can get it in the Book of Mormon. Would you know concerning the preexistence of spirits, the fall of man, and the atonement, the principles and ordinances of the gospel of Christ, the state in which spirits of men live between the time of death and the resurrection? We can find it in the Book of Mormon. Actually, the Book of Mormon either contradicts or is totally silent yes. about all those th doctrines and the information that it contains about God and Jesus and the Holy Ghost is not uh, parallel to God's revelations of Himself in the Bible. And another important basic doctrines of the Book of Mormon says nothing or is silent about 
pre-existence, eternal progression, authority or priesthood requirement to act for God, people who are dark-skinned because they were not valiant in the war in heaven so were unable to have the priesthood, genealogies, baptism for the dead, word of wisdom, celestial marriage, polygamy, actually the Book of Mormon condemns polygamy, the wearing of sacred underwear, three heavens, a temporary hell, men becoming gods, God was once a man, a plurality of gods, and so on. And yet the Book of Mormon is called the fullness of the everlasting gospel. How can these doctrines be part of the fullness of the gospel if they're not in the book that contains the fullness of the gospel? Unless fullness doesn't mean fullness. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm speechless, actually. So, <laughs> How can it be the keystone of the Mormon religion when their major doctrines aren't there? Bring you closer to God. Yeah, it's always, that, that, that did bother me. The fullness of the gospel and, and eliminates or doesn't even have or discuss many of these topics. So yeah. you really couldn't stand on Mormonism, polygamy. You couldn't stand on the Book of Mormon to give you the... Well, what the about full. progressive revelation? How does that does, would that be an answer that they would come up with? Well, we have progressive revelation, and we can add to the Book of Mormon that way. Well, line upon line is actually a very fantastic concept for business and corporations, but not in religion, not for God. Yeah. Line upon line, it, it, it does mean that God can change, and we've seen that through the Book of Mormon and the things you've, we've covered here, the changes that have been made. Uh, it just seems so odd that we would think that God would change yeah. and, and make uh, and not have the consistency that you'd expect to have in in religion. Well, uh, for instance, the, the Book of Mormon condemns polygamy. And then we get into the Doctrine and Covenants and it justifies polygamy. Yeah, David and, and Solomon's wives. And that, and that is a total of turnabout. Does, yeah. God, does God really do that? <laughs> Does he really, he really make doesn't. those kinds no. of changes? Um, and be, the progressive revelation would not account for the fact that the Book of Mormon itself claims to be the fullness, yeah. which means that it is complete in every particular. Well, so it can't... It, it can't be. And, and I think these are obvious things if, if people will really look at them. And I think one of the things that the Bible uh, warns us about, Paul certainly, is that there will be false Christs, false apostles, and deceivers coming forward mm -hmm. and all that means is that you don't have an anchor yeah. you know you don't have a basis a foundation to stand on and when you're standing on things that keep changing that's like that's the, the line upon line yeah. that that's a weak foundation mm -hmm. it's a sandy foundation it certainly so. is and and it won't hold it can't hold so the book of mormon actually gives us no new information about jesus or his gospel except that it claims that he personally came to America to give the gospel to the inhabitants here, but that was after he told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. <laughs> so if there is no correct, uh, new correct information in the Book of Mormon, that, then we don't need it. We don't need the Book of Mormon. But if it does contain a new and different gospel, then it falls under the curse of Galatians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, which says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, 
If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. So the conclusion is the Bible is the word of God. There is no need for the Book of Mormon. Well, I agree with that now. I sure, certainly didn't for many, many years, but uh, I don't know how I, as, as new things come along, I want to have an anchor. I want to have the Bible that's, that's trustworthy, and I think people need to reconsider mm -hmm. Joseph Smith. That solid foundation in the Bible, yeah. as opposed to Joseph Smith sifting sand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've said it before, it's, it's the gospel of Joseph Smith that that is in, that's the basis of polygamy, the polygamous groups, mm -hmm. and and mainstream Mormon. And mainstream Mormonism. And we are going to be opening up our telephone lines now. You can, you're welcome to call in and join in the conversation. I would like to say first that we did get some of this information, much of it, off of the utlm.org website. And I would like to recommend, if any of you want to search these things out, that you can go to the following websites to, that are very truthful and full of information for you that you can trust. That would be utlm.org irr.org, mrm.org, and mormonthink.com. Those are very good websites for you to find the information that you might be looking for, and you can trust what you read there, and of course you can check it out by studying the Bible, and God will show you truth if you have the courage to ask for it and really want it. He will show you the truth. So now we're going to open our phone lines. Our number is 801-973-TV20. 801-973-8820. Give us a call. We would love to talk to you uh, about your questions or your comments. Thank you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen.
Welcome back to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? We've been talking about with Earl Erskine, the co-host here, that uh, there have been some contradictions and so many changes in the Book of Mormon that we wonder how anybody can possibly uh, even trust what it says if they have to change the most perfect book on earth. I'd like to mention right here, I don't think we have a graphic for the screen, there's a book here that I did get from utlm.org. It's called 3,913 Changes in the Book of Mormon, and they're all listed. You can get that, and you can find out for yourself and test it for yourself to see those changes. Some of them are grammar, some of them punctuation, some of them are actual doctrinal changes. And that's pretty serious uh, when, uh, when God's Word has to be changed by man. Uh, you know, there's one scripture, we were, we were talking about doing this last week, but we didn't get to it, so I think that maybe we'll do it right now. And it's called okay. the Stick of Joseph in the book of Ezekiel in the Bible okay. uh, that is used as a prediction of the coming of the Book of Mormon. And it's been taken out of context and it isn't properly... Um, it is. I uh, used it on my used. mission. Yeah, you did. Oh, <laughs> Many <dear>. times. <laughs> well, the first time I read it and wondered how they could get the Book of Mormon out of that, but they did. And so we're going to put the, the scriptures on the screen. Then we're going to show you why it couldn't possibly be predicting the Book of Mormon. So Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 16 through 24 says... Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. And then join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Will thou now show us what thou means? meanest by this, say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So now they're saying these two sticks um, have come together, and they are the Bible and the Book of Mormon mm -hmm. making one. But that's not what it said at all. Not if you actually read the words. The and, whole context. And apply it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't say, write a book. He said, take a stick. Yeah. And nowhere. Not, go not gold plates. <laughs> and not plates, right. Yeah. And there's no place in the Bible, every, anywhere, where the word stick is translated into book or scroll. Right. It's a, it's stick is a piece of wood, the right. translation, and, and the scroll would be another totally different word. And you have to remember, too, that the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, was, the southern kingdom was Judah, called Judah, and the northern kingdom was called Ephraim. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly, that this stick of Ephraim, I don't know if you want me to mention this here, but uh, in Alma, chapter 10, verse 3, it says that Amminadi was a descendant of Nephi, who was the son of Lehi, who came out of the land of Jerusalem, who was a descendant of Manasseh. 
Manasseh, who was huh? the son of Joseph, who was sold into Egypt by the hands of his brethren. So Lehi apparently was from the tribe of Manasseh, Not Ephraim. rather than Ephraim. Uh -huh. So that doesn't apply at all. And, and they can't say it does because they're both sons of Joseph, but, but they are two different sons. Yeah, well, it says the stick of Ephraim, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, Not from the, from Joseph, but the stick of Ephraim. So it, that doesn't apply. And then, as you read, I think in verse 22, that it was the, bringing these nations together. Nations together. Yeah, that's yeah, what it means. The northern it says, kingdom and the southern it, it, it kingdom. explains in verse 18, it says, Will you show us what thou means by what, what this means? Explain what it means. And he did. The two nations are going to become one nation. Yeah. It isn't talking about books. It's talking about nations. And, and it says in verse 17 that the, the two sticks will become one in thine hand. That's Ezekiel's hand. Well, I think Not in Joseph's hand. Ezekiel's hand. He's talking to Ezekiel in the first place. Moreover, <laughs> right. thou son of man, take thee. And so he's actually telling Ezekiel to do the writing. Mm -hmm. So he's not That's talking right. to Nephi or Mormon or Moroni. Who so unless so. Ezekiel wrote the Book of Mormon, it can't be meaning the Book of Mormon. So it's again another scripture that just kind of falls apart when you really put it in right. context. Right. And it's... Uh, can't say the Book of Mormon was predicted <laughs> in the Book of Ezekiel because it was not. Okay, uh, we do have some calls here. Let's take them. Line three, we have Daryl from Salt Lake City. Hello, Daryl. Yes. yes. Uh, I want to know if you're familiar with early anti-Christian writings. With what? If you're familiar with Celsus, Julian, the Apostate, and other early anti-Christian writings. I can't. Were you I'm able miss, to get that? I'm missing the little, the I, middle part of that. I'm sorry. Were you saying you're saying anti-Mormon writings, but that we looked at them? Anti-Christian writings. Are we aware of them? anti-Christian writings. Okay, Daryl. If you Daryl, if you don't talk so loud, we might be able to understand you because you're vibrating. Your voice is vibrating. Would you talk a little so, uh, quieter? He's asking about anti-Christian writings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are, are you familiar with early anti-Christian writings? With some of it, yes. Like Celsus? No, I haven't studied who, him. Who is Celsus? I haven't studied him. Okay, how about Julian the Apostate? No. Okay. Uh, they're, they're saying the same things against the early Christians as uh, you're saying against the Mormons, they used like contradictions, changes in the scriptures, strange rituals and secret hand clasps and symbols and that they're involved in the, uh, have secret ceremonies. Well, we have... Like that. So I'm just interested, would be interested because the early Christians thought that they could become gods. It's all no, they're not, the, not the real Christians. Christians. No, Daryl, the real Christians did never teach that we could become gods. That is absolutely false. We I, go, the, Christ, the Christians go by the Bible. True, true Orthodox Christianity believes in the Bible and nothing more than the Bible, and the Bible teaches that we don't become gods. Well, so whatever... What, in defense of their own particular versions of this doctrine, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian, origin of Alexandria. Uh, so what's your point? Athanasius, who took part in the Nicene Creed of 325 what? AD. Uh, what, uh, okay, Daryl, we are going to, I'm sorry, we're not going to, 
we're not going to talk about that anymore. We're going to be talking in August. We have a show coming up about the Council of Nicaea and how all of it was pulled together. And, and we're going to talk about that. But right now, we're not going to talk about what somebody is saying that somebody else said that early Christians did. I do know this as a Christian. I know what the Bible says. I know that it has said that for 2,000 years. And whatever anybody else says about it, I know what the Bible says. I can go there and prove it. And so can the Dead Sea Scrolls, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I I had to deal with that coming out because that is a, a is a, is is a thought that that you might have, but God said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't pass away. Right. Anyone else that taught anything, even two thousand years ago, that was outside of that Bible mm -hmm. that hasn't carried forward in the Bible is not reliable it either. It isn't reliable. It's just for man. Right. Right. We have the Word of God. <clears throat> it's contained in the Bible and that's what we trust. Exactly. And so that anything else that comes along, we can measure it against that. Measure it against the Bible. Whether it came back 2,000 years ago, Anastasia or whatever that, uh, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of writers, right. but those were those opinions. Those were men. Men's opinions. Right, right. Yeah. And, and we don't follow men, we follow God. And right. God put what he wanted us to know in the Bible and that's enough. In Second Peter it says it's all we need for for um, godliness, life and godliness. Okay, we have Stephanie calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Stephanie. Yes, hi. Can hi. you hear me okay? Yes, you can hear you fine. Great. If you need to turn uh, Basically, first of all, I want to make it clear that I like what you guys are doing. Um, this is the first time I've, I've tuned in and listened to this uh, particular program, and Praise I agree God. with most of it. But you there's need to some turn that I do disagree with, and Steph I could sit here for... Stephanie, yeah. you need to turn your TV volume down. We're getting feedback. Okay, I'm going to turn, turn it completely off. Hold on just a sec. Okay. I'm just going to unplug it because I can't find it. Okay, <laughs> now, basically, I disagree with um, some, or actually many things you say, though, however. Um, and, you know, I could sit here forever and talk about that. I'm just going to wait and in the future programs maybe call in and address those other disagreements that I do have. But, again, I want to make it clear I agree with the majority of everything that you guys are saying, okay, so you can understand that, you know, I lean more towards um, thinking that the Mormon church is in many ways, you know, um, a false church, okay. But I just wanted to make one comment really quickly, which is I was on the Internet several months ago, and I found a major college, and I just wish I could remember the name, I don't remember it, but they basically claimed that they proved that in at least one section in the Bible it has been mistranslated, um, you know, by man getting their hands on it, and that section was, I, re I remember it distinctly, it was the one where it says Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, and what they did is they went, they went back and they um, looked at the original you know, writings of the Bible, whatever, and they found out that it really is true that somebody did mistranslate it. And I just wanted to ask you if you think that that's possible. I'm going to, I've forgotten which university it is. I'm going to find it for future, and I'll call you in the future sometime, you know, one of your next programs and let you know. But they claim, you know, this is a major, um, very credible university. They claim that they did prove that. How do you feel about this? Well, it's like we just said, that's just a man talking about something that God has revealed about himself. Um, we have, we ha like we talked about earlier too, the Dead Sea Scrolls. We have manuscript evidence that we can go back to and prove the translation. 
That's something Joseph Smith, we can't do with Joseph Smith's writings. Nobody can go back and look at the translation that he, the, the records he translated from and prove the translation, but we can. So whoever that university is, they're just trying to shipwreck somebody's faith because we have the manuscripts that we can go back and look at and see if it's been translated correctly. Right. Now tell me this. If I do find that for you and cite it for you in the future, and you guys study it, I mean, do you think it's possibly true, or would you no. say it's totally false? No, can't be true. I'd be no, I'm kind of confused about your words and what you're saying I'd here. Be real so do you agree that the Bible uh, has possibly been mistranslated in some places? Well, I think the, even the Bible itself has italicized words that show that the, there was a choice made in words, but basic doctrine, Trinity and... Uh, just basic doctrine and uh, godhood and all that is is clear mm -hmm. that hasn't that hasn't been affected no. i would be no. willing and interested in looking at what you have if you can forward that or uh, i would love provide to provide us a resource in fact, can I ever, um, is there a telephone number i can call tomorrow and because i want to be able to get a phone number where i can contact you and you know and talk to you more about this because i'm kind of a revolutionary person who's studied the book of mormon you know, to some extent, and a lot of the, you know, teachings in the Mormon Church, the Book of Mormon, and the original claimed visions of Joseph Smith, and I've come up with an entirely different theory. You know, I've often considered writing a book about it and publishing it, you know, that's actually very different, in many ways similar to what you guys are arguing here, but in many ways, you know, very different. But you know, And Stephanie, I'd like to share it with you sometime in the future. Stephanie, you know, we have to very, have very a... fascinating. Um, and I, you know, and I, there is some support in the Bible. By the way, I want to want to make it clear there is some support that there in. I believe it's in Acts of the Apostles or Acts in the Bible. It says that there will be some women on this earth who will be preaching the word of God and prophesizing. You know, and I don't think that just because it says that 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 means that you know these particular women that are referred to are devils or demons. You know, I think that that God let us know that we have to be wary and careful. You know that that there may be some devils and demons, but not all of the people, you know, who are on this earth preaching um, and prophesizing are, you know, are evil people. Would you agree with that? Well, definitely. Right. See, that's why I want an opportunity to talk to you about this, At least because that my part theory of it. is really revolutionary. That, that part. And, you know, <clears throat> I'll kind of give you a basic gist as to what Stephanie, it is right Stephanie, now. Stephanie, 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 excuse me. It kind of supports that Joseph really did have, uh, at a minimum, that very first vision where Stephanie, he came you know, that he knelt down. Stephanie, I want to interrupt you here, please. We don't have time for you to go through all of what you want to go through right now. We've already given you plenty of time. But I want to say this. You have to have anybody, everybody has to have a basis, a foundation for truth. And if there isn't, if it's not the Bible, then it's got to be something else. It can't be four or five different things and half of them are right and half of them aren't right. There has to be an anchor that you can hang on to that's not going to change and that you can't change. And that, that is what God has given us in the Bible. Anything Agreed. anybody writes, Stephanie, anything that anybody oh. writes, anything that anybody writes that does not hang on to the Bible as their anchor and proof for truth is worth nothing. Right. And then I just want to end by saying one thing that I, um, that, I, that I believe is we were all created in the likeness and image of God. So I believe that our true self is the Spirit of God. And it's, we can't become God. We already are, we're all created as God. No, we're not and all we created as God. we just have to remember that. We you are know, not created as God, Stephanie. That I teach Stephanie. And that I believe in. <laughs> you know, uh, Sorry. 
We're not all created as God, Stephanie. You've had plenty of time to talk. We are not God. We will not become God. We were lost the image of God in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And we're going to get back the true image of God when we become Christians and become born again. And then the true image of God, it tells us in Ephesians, is true righteousness and holiness. And that's what the image of God is. And we don't all have the spirit and we don't all have the image of God. Uh, right. Uh, I would be happy to have her give, I mean, give her an email address that she could contact. Okay. Earl at, at xmormonfiles.com. You could certainly write to me your thoughts or the, the resource that you've mentioned. Um, certainly, Jesus is the Son of God, but he's also... God. Yeah, that's right. And and that wasn't mistranslated that he's the son of God. Uh, sorry, Stephanie, to have cut you off, but you were going on and on and wouldn't let us say anything. And so uh, give give us an email and let us know where that's at. We'd love to, to know about that further. Okay, we have Kim calling from Manti. Hello, Kim. Uh-huh. Hello, Kim. Hi, Doris. How are you? Hi, doing good. How are you? I'm good. You're hey, on the um, air. One of the contradictions I think that you might want to touch on is how in the Book of Mormon it talks about how our um, your death is sealed. Oh, that's right. The witches. You know, you, when you die, you, your your fate is sealed. The devil seals the you his Alma, in Alma. In Moshe. Yeah, if you don't, well, if you procrastinate repentance to the day yeah. of your death, the devil seals now you is, his. Now is the time for men to prepare yep. to meet God. That's yes. right, Kim. So you wonder right, why we right. do temple. But yet in the, in the Doctrine of Covenants, it says that you have a second chance after death. Uh-huh, so, uh-huh, okay. You know, that, this, these, that's these, big. All these contradictions are what pulled me out of the Mormon Church mm-hmm. is, I could not and I did not know which one I was to believe. Yeah. And, th- and I would ask the, you know, the Mormon people or whatever, what am I supposed to believe? And they would tell me not to worry about it. <laughs> so, you know, I did worry about it and I did study and came to the conclusion that it was all a bunch of BS. So, Anyway, another contradiction in the Book of Mormon is that murder can be forgiven, and they teach that it's... That it's the unforgivable sin. Forgiven. Mm-hmm. That's right. So there's a lot of contradiction where there's none in the Bible. So anyway... That's right, Kim. There's, none, there's no contradictions in the Bible. There's some who, who say that they see some in there, but when you study it, there's no contradictions right. at all. Okay, well, thank you, Doris. Thank you, Kim. Mm-hmm. Hi to Cousin Al. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I think it's it's interesting. That's I think why Christians, or at least ones that aren't based in the Bible, are drawn at least to the Book of Mormon initially because it is Christian sounding, somewhat. And well, then, he, of course, they, he we've copied got so much from the Bible. Isaiah's in there and other mm-hmm. scriptures, plus these contradictions that we're talking about. Then once they learn, they get. Im- enmeshed into Mormonism, then they find out how the Mormons really believe about a topic, mm-hmm. okay. about a particular issue. Yeah. So, 
Well, thank you for uh, for being part of this. Thanks, and um, we you know, as you all know, we've often criticized sometimes quite harshly for doing this show. And I've been called some awful names and I've been called the powers of heaven down on my head. I've been called the first female antichrist. And of course, that means nothing because God has called me to do this and he alone is our judge. But I thought to close our show tonight that we would read an email that we received this week, which really tells why we do what we do. And this is what it said. Dear Doris, I just wanted to tell you how much I love your show and how much I have learned by watching. When I first saw you, I have to admit, I thought, so sad. She just doesn't have a clue about what she's talking about. So I did my own research just to prove wrong what your show was talking about. That was over three years ago, and now I know that most certainly you do know what you're talking about. I saw Earl Erskine on your show in 2011, and I thought he was someone I could really connect to. I was able to meet him and his sweet wife, my husband, and I met them for dinner. I'm sure he may not remember me as we have lost touch, but hope that he knows what a great influence he has had on me and my husband and our lives. We have not been to Mormon church for about a year now. Yay! And there is sadness as we are aware that family and friends think we are lost. I am grateful for the relationship I have with Jesus. It's different, more personal and real. I love Jesus more than any other one or any religion. He is the only way. I believe Him and I will always trust His word. Thank you for all you do. God bless and much love to you. Like, and the initial is NL. And like we always say when we do this show, check it out. That's what you need to do. That's what she did. If you really want the truth, you'll find it. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.